Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of July 2010. As always, I start off my tin can moment about the, the cash and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of the show, rather than annoy you halfway through it or three quarters of the way through it. Uh, they do that with uh, even the, the weather forecast now, you notice. They'll tell you some story they're going to come out with in between, and you wait till the very end, and you got ten different stories in between to make sure you get your downloads. So I start mine off at the beginning, and I tell you that newcomers should go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, bookmark all the official sites you'll see listed, and you can use these alternately if you find trouble with the com site, which you will have occasionally too many for go into at one time. For downloads. Now, all those sites listed have the same audios. They all have translations, uh, transcriptions for print up in English. But if you want audio and um, transcripts in other languages, you can go into Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel, which you'll see listed there, .eu, and um, download uh, at, the, at the choice language at the, of your wish. And remember, too, that you keep me going. You're the audience to keep me going. I don't accept uh, money from advertisers. The ads on the show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN for the broadcast. And that pays their equipment and it pays their staff and their board ops and some of their bills, I hope. And um, you have to help me with my bills there. For going to cuttingthroughmatrix.com, see the books I've got for sale. They're different from anything you'll read. It's not the usual boring stuff of who won which battle and what date and all that stuff. I'll tell you what's behind things, and I'll show you a technique as you read it that helps to wake up your brain as it should be, because it's really been condensed. Very little parts of your brains are actually working now. You've been trained to think in a linear fashion. So as you read these books, you'll think outside the box in a non-linear fashion. You'll see much more. Purchase them, and remember, from the U.S. to Canada, personal check is okay. So is an international postal money order from your post office, okay, to Canada. And you can use cash or PayPal for ordering or donating. If you want to purchase through donation, send a separate uh, donation through PayPal and a separate email uh, with your name, address, and your order to me. And I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Across the rest of the world, same idea. You've got the addition of Western Union and MoneyGram, cash or PayPal for donating or for purchasing. Separate email, please, if you want to purchase with your name, address, and your order. And now that that's out the way, but I really mean it too. It takes money to keep this thing going here. And I'm using older tech, uh, computers for the main part because I've got, I've got uh, so much to do. Some of them crash now and then. I've got to take time and have other ones working. So I mean, I'm getting hacked all the time too. So it's up to you to keep me going. And this is not a five-day-a-week job. It's not seven-day-a-week. It's all of that. And I haven't had a day off in five years or more. And never mind a holiday. So uh, I came out because these things had to be discussed on air at the time because Patriot Radio literally was navel-gazing and going round in circles, very localized. It didn't understand that there was a world agenda at work. There was a eugenics agenda at work. 
and that there was a, a, a system in work to bring out the new man uh, through uh, genetic engineering and cybernetics and all that. And I talked about that back in 98. So it's on the go. It's really coming to fruition. The biggest secrets, of course, are never told to the public. That's most of it. We get old stuff given to us to, as technology. And at the lower levels, they do research. Research is what we are told about. They might be able to do this one day. And in reality, the searching was done many, many, many years ago. And high weaponry and all the rest of it. Um, for Always for the future, what they'll use in the future. And the weaponry they have, they will not use until the big one goes down, when the public really riots big time across the world. Back after these messages. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. The matrix really is the box in which you've been born into uh, a sort of Plato's cave. And because you're all born into the same cave at the same time, and then you end up going to kindergarten at the same time to get your indoctrination, you believe everything you're told, and then you can communicate these subjects between each other and all arrive at the same conclusion. So you all naturally think you're sane. doesn't dawn on you, of course, that you're being lied to. And technically you are insane because you've been told nothing but lies, or at least lies which will help to bring in the next part of the New World Order, and you'll be all for it, never really understanding what it's really all about, because we're kept in the dark. And that's the beauty of this system. You see, you have a a sort of pyramid-shaped structure of control, and the capstone knows what's going on in every area, and those down below are taught all they need to know, right down to the army and the police. They're taught all they need to know, no more. And they know very little more than the public, in fact, except they don't like the public very much because they've been weaponized. I talked about the weaponization over a year ago, maybe two, of everything, of culture, of food, um, of water, uh, inoculations, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Everything's been weaponized in a covert fashion to to make you think that what you're giving you, whether it's entertainment or good food or whatever, or your inoculation is really for your benefit, and everything is vastly, vastly different. All entertainment is propaganda with uh, political correctness and upgrades inserted in them, especially the comedies, always been that way with comedies. And eventually, if it gets away in the comedies without any retribution from the public, Generally, there isn't because they laugh. You see, their guard is down. They laugh and they follow the human uh, story through it, forgetting they're being downloaded with uh, things that should disgust them generally. And they laugh. And so then they bring it into straight plays, straight movies and so on. And it's the same with your food too. The GMO food is to go ahead regardless of people uh, not wishing it to having it in their own countries. People who will start wars and plan wars in advance right down to the casualty rates right down to how to totally destroy the infrastructure of a first-world country. And believe you me, uh, when they went into Iraq, Iraq was first, had the first-world nation in uh, cities. They had, uh, Iran has first-world cities, and they have all their infrastructure intact. And they've got over, nine, I think, 9,000 places in Iran targeted when they go in to destroy totally. That's all your infrastructure. That's everything you need to live. That's your food, your wells your, your uh, water refineries, 
It's your, it's your, everything where food is stored or created or processed is destroyed. Um, everything, right down to the Stone Age. And then you're occupied for many, many years and chaos ensues. And they want the chaos because they can, they can send more troops in and say, gee, we can't pull out of here. Look at all the trouble. It'll be chaos if we pull out. Where in the actual truth of it is, under the Royal Institute for International Affairs Charter, they say that they will, they will not pull out of countries until they've stabilized the country and set up an identical British system uh, in that country. Then they withdraw. That's what they did with India, by the way. And Carol Quigley talked all about that process. It's the same now in all the countries that they go into. But as they go into their think tanks, they always project the future with an overpopulated people with no work. Now that we're so technical and we have robotics doing so much in factories, etc. And depopulation has always been high on the agenda. They have been doing it covertly through injections and through your food, uh, and including the plastic bottles you drink out of. By the way, they've, they've known that since the late 1800s. They knew what bisphenol A did to a man. Uh, so, um, and pregnant women. So there's nothing really new. Uh, this is, this is stealth, warfare by stealth. I, I've watched programs where they bring in, uh, the World Health Organization and UNESCO into the countries they conquer or into so-called primitive tribes who've never seen people before who, who dress the way we do and look how we do. And they, they're always there to help the people, to help them. And sure enough, they get their shots and all the rest of it, their IQ drops, they get easier to manage, and before you know it, they're conquered and dependent on this system, whereas before they were totally independent, didn't need money, for instance. They got their own food for themselves, they built their own huts, and they were, they'd lived for thousands of years. So weaponizing of everything is part of this whole thing. Uh, education is weaponized as well because you've been indoctrinated at different levels depending on your status in society and your class uh, into uh, what your your role should be and what you truly will fight for and push for the future, which is, again, sustainability and depopulation and the right for the, only the, the right kind of people to breed, you see. That's what it's all about. And your managerial class, and this is called the, the, the age of world managers, by the way, officially, um, they're given their own newspapers and magazines to read and that's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs has always done. You, there's no, forget the plebs at the bottom. Just go straight to the ones who'll be controlling them, and they get their level of reality and why they're doing it, which is not the whole truth either. So that's how you you do it in the society. And as we go along, we get more and more aggressive. According to the police, they've got all these surveys out years ago saying, "Oh, the public will become more aggressive." Uh, that's all they were told. They didn't know why. But uh, the public have been sitting, uh, guzzling uh, very violent movies for years now. Uh, children are raised in like, the most violent uh, games ever devised for military combat, for troops to be used. And so, of course, they're going to have uh, riots and, and more crime and all the rest of it going down the road, especially when the family unit is kaput and finished. So they've been preparing for years for the fallout, never mind the time when they come into rationing, which they have said they will do. Going to Chatham House, that's the Royal Institute for International Affairs, look at their website and go into their, their policies and their think tanks, working 15 years, 16 years, just on the coming food shortages. So the, we're always way behind the times, most folk are way behind the times on what's really going on. 
And they will think that when the food shortage comes out, they'll believe the media version is a big crisis that suddenly came upon us and no one saw it coming, just like the bank crashes. And the IMF's jobs, of course, is supposed to be looking over all banking systems to make sure there was not a crash. But no, they always play it like a big crisis. And we're being trained right now to do and obey when we're told to by guys in uniform. And the guys in uniform get very huffy if you don't jump right off the bat to them and say, yes, sir, massa, and all the rest of it, because uh, these are not policemen anymore. They're sadomasochists. They're, most of them are on steroids. And uh, they're the ones who serve their bosses. They'll take their paycheck from their masters and do whatever they are told. They also get special privileges above the general population, exactly what Lenin said they'd have to do and what Huxley and others said they'd have to do. So we get these stories in the paper all the time, like this one. I mentioned one from Vancouver yesterday. It's another one, and this is from CBC News. Police shoving women on video raises questions. I'm glad it's raising something. Uh, And this is Friday, uh, this is July the 23rd. The BC, British Columbia Civil Liberties Association, is demanding an explanation from the Vancouver Police Department after a surveillance video showed an officer pushing a disabled woman to the ground. And it goes on to say, uh, and it shows a little video of it as well, by the way. Most people watch videos because they can't read anymore. The video was taken at the beginning of the month on uh, on the sidewalk of Hastings Street near the crowded United We Can Recycling Centre. Uh, The woman who was cerebral palsy appears to brush an officer who's walking with two others. Cerebral palsy does that, you know. And probably the two others are helping her walk straight, you know. The officer uh, shoves the woman to the ground and the three stand over her before walking away, leaving her lying on the ground. There's no sound in the video, so it's not known if the woman threatened the officers. But David Ebay of the Civil Liberties Association says there appears to be no reason to shove. We imagine she would, she should, we would be hauled off and handcuffed if she said something threatening to the officers. It's clear that they didn't seek grounds for arrest, but even if they did it, it's hard to imagine that the force that they used was appropriate. She may weigh 90 pounds, it says in the video, and is definitely disabled. There was no need for any force. So we're getting trained, you see, to, to just obey the goons, and the goons know it. The goons are aware that they're getting away with murder, you know, actual murder. They are getting away with murder with their tasers and so on. They know they've got the green light to go ahead because, you see, it's a bigger plan above what even cops know, uh, and that's to train the public to be subservient. It's bad enough going into airports and being x-rayed and them laughing at your at your Charlies or whatever, um, and, and using uh, copying these, of course, and then they sell the photographs to each other, and which they do. Uh, they're demeaning you. It's a whole process of demeaning. When prisoners are brought in, off come their shoes because their shoelaces, their belts come off and all the rest of it. And here they have guys walking through airports just like prisoners, holding up their pants in case they fall, feeling very embarrassed, etc., in their socks. Well, that's processes of demeaning you to, and to obey. You see, we're past the democratic phase. We're now into the age of authoritarianism. You, you just jump when they tell you, and you must feel very lowly, and you must feel like you're worthless. And this is what it, this is intended to do. I mentioned yesterday, too, that Ian Tomlinson, the, the, the so-called inquiry into it, which, of course, is bogus inquiry, uh, would come up with what they, I knew they came up with, 
and that was that there's nothing, no wrongs on the policeman's part that murdered him. So they've now validated murder as okay for cops to do. That sets a precedent, and all cops do know it. They're covered. Now, the carbon taxes is a must-be, just like the GM food was a must-be. They will not backtrack on their plans. And I've told you before, whenever the big boys write an agenda, they never backtrack on their plans. It doesn't matter if old Jehovah himself came down in a, in a hairy fit of unpleasantness uh, and said something. It wouldn't matter. They'd have to nuke them because they will not backtrack on their plans on anything. And now, Quebec was one of the first of Canada's goody-two-shoes to jump on the Biden wagon and voluntarily put in the carbon tax on the fuel back in 70, back in 97, I believe. And um, now it's directly on their, their fuel at the pumps. So as Quebecers will be distinct from other Canadians in another way starting this fall, they'll have the country's first designated carbon tax to help fight global warming. <laughs> I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, just mentioning that Quebec actually brought in carbon taxes on fuel, as 2007 it was, 2007, to lead it off in Canada, hoping the rest of the provinces will jump in, like parrots, and most folk do, they emulate everybody else, and so do provinces, and it's definitely coming on your fuel, all kinds, uh, it's going to be on your heating fuel as well, and this is Canada, where they go through an awful lot of heating fuel, we don't live in a nice hot climate, so, but the World Health Organization and the United Nations don't give a fig about that. Because, you see, we have to go down. That's the whole point about the Western world, is to go down. It's scheduled to go down. Now, remember I talked about Jacques um, Attali, who wrote Millennium, The Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order, where he did go through the scenario for the U.S., where he said eventually there will be so many come up from Latin America, there will be a Spanish-speaking country, and that the first blocks will come up with drugs and so on, the gangs. They always take the first opportunity, and uh, there will be a lot of mayhem and stuff that the people will just have to accept, he said, uh, in the process. Uh, as they plunder, and he actually likened it to Rome being attacked by all the different tribes towards its ending. And uh, but but don't worry, he said after it's all over and all the people are killed, I guess, during the process, um, and all the drugs are distributed, and everybody is, is in a mess. Uh, it'll all level out, and everybody will speak Spanish. But he also said that the next boat people would be Americans leaving their jobs, or leaving their, their, their countries for jobs abroad. And this is a guy at the United Nations. Uh, now, here's, here's how it's going in the U.S. for jobs. And this article is from the NBC Bay Area, San Francisco. It says, need a job. Like, I've never believed to see this in a paper. Try the skin trade. Job fear comes to San Francisco and costumes are welcome, it says. Uh, Thursday, July the 8th, 2010. Uh, if the recession has you down, you're not alone. Jobs are tough to come by. And if you haven't noticed yet, job fairs are very crowded affairs. How do you find that niche that's just right for you? Here's a tip. Try the adult entertainment arena. The CyberNet Expo is a three-day job fair in San Francisco. Starts today at the Golden Gateway Hotel. And while some of the events come with titillating titles like Kink in the Castle, Player's Ball, 
uh, Alcatraz working and so on. A casual run through the event website shows that these guys are serious about getting you a job. Lots of networking events, seminars and tips on how to go about getting a gig in the Aham adult world. It makes sense, really, he says. Industries are getting pummeled as our economy staggers on, but porn has always stayed strong. It's like comfort food. People will always buy chocolate, even if, if even more of it, uh, in times when times are bad. If the job market has left you with lots of time in your hands and you've gone online lately, you may notice that porn is still all over the net, the web. And from what I hear, it's making a tidy profit too. So here they are advertising. Um, different categories of pornography for you to get a job in. And it reminded me immediately of uh, Sin Cities, uh, through the free park collection put out by CBC Canada, where they showed you they tried to, to totally bring down the Western world between World War I and World War II uh, with the culture industry and so on, where people were really starving in the Depression and they were using it full tilt in Germany and you see these incredible things you'd never think you'd see before, where all the dancing girls, they call them hoofers in the trade apparently, um, wore nothing at all, doing the same dances you eventually saw in the U.S. When all those guys ran over to the U.S. to escape Hitler, they just simply implemented them on the, the, the screen. Same dancing, same little rosette patterns and stuff, um, only with the skimpiest of clothes on, just to get you starting on the road to, to degradation as well. That was its purpose, of course, always has been. But uh, there you go, in the mainstream, uh, by regular writers promoting this stuff. Now, here's a good article here, and it's uh, from about the Irish police. I'll put these links up, remember, at the end of the show at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you can look them up for yourself and see what you think. This is July 23rd, 2010. It says, Irish police cite Irish government in treasonous activity. I thought that was a crime. Arrest them all. 22nd of July, it says, When a National Police Association accuses its government of what amounts to treason, it's time to sit up and pay attention. Michael O'Boyce, president of the Garda Representative Association, uh, this is the police association, said at its annual conference in Limerick at the end of April 2010 that the Irish government had been corrupted and had been bought by developers and bankers. It says here, Garda is an Irish policeman and Gardaí in the plural. Mr. O'Boy, speaking on behalf of the country's 11,000 Gardaí, charged government ministers with sacrificing the country to protect wealthy cronies who had bankrolled the leading government party. And it says here, such a criticism of a serving government by its police force is unprecedented in Irish history and extremely rare in any Western democracy. Well, that's true the day, isn't it? It would take anything in Western democracies. Smarting from recent government and disparagement of the Gardaí, a rankled Mr. O'Boyce pointed to an aggravating Fianna Fail gaffe. That's a mistake. While the government referred to the Gardaí as self-serving, overpaid, underworked and dishonest people, it at the same time praised the entrepreneurial skill and business acumen of failed banksters like Sean Fitzpatrick from the Anglo-Irish Bank and Michael Fingleton, the Irish Nationwide Building Society. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts, I'm back cutting through the matrix. We always get cut off at 8.30, exactly, exactly, just, just a, bit, a millisecond into the music and go boom, off it goes, it's cut off. So I'll try and pick up where I was, and I was talking about the Irish Police Association who have called their government treasonous, and uh, they seem to be really pushing for something to be done about it. And it says here that um, uh, the Minister of Justice, Dermot Ahern, was scheduled to attend the annual conference of the of the GRA, that's the police. However, Mr. Ahern was sent a copy of the speech in advance and hastily declined to attend. Mr. Boyce would have castigated the Justice Minister directly by saying, the government of which you are a long-serving member has mismanaged the wealth of this country for more than a decade by allowing our assets to be plundered and robbed by bankers and speculators, and you're making generations of Irish workers pay the price for this treachery. That's fighting words, I'd say. It says, you did this because bankers and speculators have bought your party, and that's a fact, they have bought the party. And in return, you have sacrificed the greater good and prosperity of the Irish nation for the benefits of the few. The few have now taken their ill-gotten gains and secured them in tax havens around the world, truly a government of national sabotage. The Guardian represent at the meeting gave Mr. O'Boyce a standing ovation for the speech of which they were aware, but which never actually made public. Nevertheless, the speech was angrily criticized by politicians, well, naturally, and others who said that a police force should not intervene in politics. Well, don't want even anybody to intervene in politics, especially the public. Justice Minister Ahern said that he utterly refuted the allegations made in the speech, although they're true, obviously, and that such remarks besmirch the reputation of the force and have no place in a modern democracy. Uh, Government backbencher Neil Collins said, For me to hear a member of the uh, Angarda Sohena accuse a government government of of robbery, corruption and treason, and this coming from a member of uh, the Garda Siochana, who who are agents of the state to investigate and prosecute these types of crimes, is just clearly not sustainable. So, it says, this is an amazing attack on a a modern democratic government described by the country's own police association as a government of national sabotage. Well, that's what every government's been about, folks, with their conning and the banking for an awful long time, and their money coming out of thin air, borrowing from private banks rather than generate themselves from their own banks, uh, because they want this massive debt to bring the whole world under a world governmental system in debt and in poverty, and then they'll reduce the population. It's all part and, and planned that way by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, of which Ireland, both North and South, are members, by the way. I've got the old books here from, from it with the members from Southern Ireland. So there you go. At least some police are saying the right things rather than going out and bash their own people when they're told to do. They're now going for the politicians. Now, India has been mandated to be an emerging country by the big boys, and so has China, of course, China and others as well, like Brazil and a few others. So our money has been pumped into them in big time, big time, as we lend money to the IMF that then relends it to those countries. And every few years they say, well, they can't pay it back, so uh, we'll have to negate it for those countries. But you're the guarantor countries, your peasants back in Canada, the States and so on, will have to pay instead. They've been doing this con game for years, folks. And your government's only too happy to comply with them. Anyway, India unveils a $35 computer for students. It was compulsory, the vulgar to get computers, you see. And it says that um, 
They've unveiled a $35 computer prototype as part of its program to provide connectivity to its students and teachers at affordable prices. I wish we'd see something in newspapers here like that. Uh, Kapil Sabal, the country's human resources development minister, displayed what he called a low-cost computing and access device in New Delhi on Thursday. The minister said the price would gradually fall to $10 a piece. Now, there's a deal for you, huh? The same junk that's made in China, you see, is the same stuff as we buy for hundreds of bucks. India said connectivity to all its colleges and universities is key to achieving its educational goals. Home to a billion-plus population, the country's literary rate stands at 65%, according to 2001 census figures. So, there you go. This is a, a cheapo computer uh, that will help them get ahead and give them a, a, a few miles start on everybody else. And the big race. Why do you call it the, why do you ever, you ever wondered why they call it the human race and races? The human races. You ever never wondered about the big experiments that go on across the world, have done for hundreds of years? Now, I've talked before about the techniques of interfacing with the brain. I think Sweden was the first country to, uh, to attempt this back in the 70s. In fact, it was in newspapers then because they were using prisoners, uh, with very few options. Uh, to literally directly plug in their brains to the computer to see what they could do with it. And we know from then on that they brought their helmets out and all the rest of it that pulse your brain, stimulate the, the, the parietal lobes and so on, and they can create emotions and all the rest of it. And I've also mentioned that Windows, while they're doing that, admitted they could actually do without the helmet, put a sort of antenna around the screen or build it into the screen around the rim, and they could literally do it from many feet away, maybe even yards away maybe even miles away for all we know, eh? So here's where they're heading towards a virtual character for your children to bond to. Uh, I've no doubt they'll come in all flavors for all uh, preferences down the road. Virtual human Milo comes out to play at the TED in Oxford, the TED. Uh, it says, Milo made his world debut in 2009 at the E3 Expo in Los Angeles. Microsoft has shown off its virtual human, uh, this, this virtual human that reacts to a person's emotions, because it's reading you all the time, body movements and voice. Now, before I go any further, I said years ago that uh, the American Psychological Association had printed in their own magazine uh, that they wanted eventually every house to be, have uh, cameras in every rooms. This is back as far back as the 60s or 70s, I think. It's a very old magazine I read. And uh, because they would then monitor people for signs of aggression through facial expressions, tone of voice, and all the rest of it. So here's Milo coming to do the job for you, and you'll buy it instead, you see. And they will never catch on this. It's not for your function at all. So it says Milo is known as designed for use with the firm's hands-free Xbox 360 motion controller called Connect. It says technology is the brainchild of a veteran UK gamer designer called Peter Molyneux. I want to introduce a new revolution in storytelling, he told the TED uh, Global Conference in Oxford. Films, TV, even hallowed books are just rubbish because they don't involve me, he said. It's a sea of blandness. Mr. Molino said that he wanted to create a character that seemed alive, that would look like me in the eyes, or look me in the eyes, and feel real. Hidden technology is involved. And the hidden technology, as I say, is the stuff that literally pulsates over your brain scans it, scans the different areas that are alive at the time, your emotional centers, that kind of stuff. And it'll, it's actually geared to rapidly pick up your personality, what the norm is in you, what the abnorm is in you, 
anger, aggression, all that stuff. And believe you me, it will be sending it back to the masters. They'll be watching you. That's the pseudo purpose. And so it's first shown off in a demo at the E3 Expo in 2009, but it's not been seen since. There was a huge row online, a row about that online, people saying this can't be real, said Molino. The live demonstration used Microsoft's soon-to-be-released Kinect controller, which uses a series of sensors, cameras, and microphones to interpret a player's intentions. Games developer, developer Peter Molino, uh, Peter Molino's first game was a text-based business simulation game in 1984. The demo was conducted by an assistant who showed Milo exploring a garden, learning to skim stones, and finally confiding in him after being told off by his parents. We are changing the mind of Milo constantly, he said. No two people's Milos can be the same. You are actually sculpting a human being, actually is sculpting itself by studying you. Some of the things you're doing will change the course of his life, and obviously yours too. Mr. Molino said Milo had been built using artificial intelligence developed by his firm Lionhead Studios, along with technology that was hidden in the dusty vaults of Microsoft, yeah, probably about 40 years ago before you even heard of them, because really there's nothing new in the, in, under the sun, nothing. Whenever we're given something that's coming up as new, it's actually uh, 50, 60, 70 years old. Maybe even a lot, a lot longer in a lot of cases. He said the system exploited psychological techniques to make the, a person feel that Milo was real. In addition, software allowed complete control over subtle facial ex- ele- elements such as blushing and even the diameter of Milo's nostrils, which he said could denote stress. And the same with you, Milo will notice yours dilating as well. And it's also to push the cloud, of course. The cloud is very important for the big boys to come in because eventually you'll get computers with no hard drives in them at all. All your stuff will be stored in the cloud and it was sold as easy access. You won't lose anything for the first time. We'll update all of virus programs, blah, 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 blah. It'll be so easy. You'll all jump into it and then it'll be used for social approval and disapproval. They'll punish you if you're a bad boy or girl. By giving, you know, stopping your access from one through whatever the penalty will be for different uh, infractions, and um, you'll also have to pay to your fines and fees and all this kind of stuff because you can't do your banking without it once it's really in in the works, and that's where it's all meant to go. And you go along with it, you see. Now. It's just astonishing to me, as I say, that that um, people truly are not really awake. They wake up, they think, when they're hit personally in the pocketbook with a fee or a fine or some new regulation on their property or the environmentalists come in and say, my goodness, you've got a dented downpipe there from the roof and uh, you know, you're know you spoiling the the flow of the watershed and all this kind of stuff. So they fine you £2,000 a day until you fix it. Stuff like that. So they're doing that all the time. And they have these groups nationwide now, in every country, uh, doing this very thing, going out into rural areas and seeing what they can find the people off land with. And they're run by the United Nations. The United Nations runs all your coding, by the way, for building and all your upgrades, which you can never keep up with because they keep churning out new upgrades, you see. But uh, you, you can't really understand this till you've gone into the long, 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 long history of an agenda by a group of people with a very fixed religion behind it. And with all the histories in the world of how to take down societies, 
how to destroy whole cultures of people till they're helpless. They think they're free. The, the more they destroy their cultures, the more they literally think they're free. Well, I'm doing my own thing. No, you're not. You're doing exactly what, what you're now permitted to do. They've told you it's time to do this. Go ahead and do it. There's no consequences. If there are, the state will take care of the consequences for you. At the end of it all, you have no family organization. You have nothing. You're all dependent thoroughly on the state for your handouts. That was all intentional. And they planned that long before the United Nations was set up, long before they set up the precursor of the UN, the League of Nations. You've got to understand the big picture, where they want to go with it, how they get you to it. And most of it, by the way, apart from your education, which is indoctrination, is through fiction. Fiction. And whenever they want to rush something on... Remember, you're dealing with guys who, who plan world wars. And they profit off world wars. They profit off everything. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is to get the world on its knees and give up all their freedoms and rights, including the average civilian within those societies. Give up all your freedoms and rights for security. The very thing you heard coming out right after 9-11 as reporters went round the men and women in the streets saying, are you willing to give up your, your freedoms for security? And no one thought that was an odd question for them all to come out simultaneously across Canada, Britain, the U.S. and elsewhere with those same questions. Why not other questions? Why not other topics? No, no, no. It was all planned that way, you see. Because, you see, the more you hear people and what you think are polls, live polls being done on television, uh, the more the public, being in the crowd mentality, will go along with the majority opinion. Well, I guess if they're right, I must do it. I'll go that way too. That's how people make their decisions. You'll never see all the people on, that were on the ear and cut out saying, no, I'm not giving up my rights for security. My freedoms for security. Never show you that. You're into the history of polling, in fact. You'll find that's why they created polling as a psychological technique, knowing people will go with what they think the majority are all falling for. So it's always been fake polls with fake statistics. And whenever you come on something too, as I say, uh, that their Pearl Harbor event they said they needed, that was a new American century organization. They published it up in the 90s that they needed a Pearl Harbor event to motivate the public along with these, uh, which would be un- otherwise unpopular wars that they'd planned with Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, then Iran and then Syria, in that order, by the way. And... Um, and then people really, most folk took it for strikes. Oh, we've been attacked. We've got to save our country. And now a lot of people have woken up to the fact that the towers had to go down to give them their Pearl Harbor event. And the whole thing stinks, obviously. And I won't go into it because you, you, you could talk for days and days on all the, all, all the things that you've picked up yourself or others have picked up on the, the way the towers went down, etc., etc. Lots of data on that. And these characters also are bringing in the big ecosystem. As we go down the hill, they will also bring in rationing with food, by the way, carbon taxes and everything. That's, that includes your food. Do you know how much carbon uh, this thing gave off to grow it and, and, when it ca- and the chemicals were added and the carbon that that, that led off in the making of the chemicals, etc.? That's all going to be added to everything. Your post-consumer society for, for sustainability, and they're using the austerity nonsense to get us through plus uh, ecological uh, nonsense as well. Because all the money they used to spend on getting a fridge or a stove or whatever else or a new car will be going on fees and carbon taxes of all kinds. All kinds. 
that's where that's what you'd be doing with your money. But they need a, they need also an ecological disaster, you see, a Pearl Harbor event to push off and really kick off uh, the fragility of the planet and how easy is it to kill it off, etc. That put out about one dozen movies of catastrophes and future scenarios where we're all dying under these grey skies and oh, never tell about the spraying of our head, nothing like that. No, no, no. Just we're all dying and we can't get food and stuff like that. All to program you for what's coming up, you see. And it also shows you in these movies how you should obey the authorities while you go through all this. And that's how folk get their ideas of how to obey from. It's predictive programming. And they put an awful lot of money into a lot of awful movies uh, to make sure you get the message. But they still needed a Pearl Harbor event, and they kicked off that off with the deep uh, water well going off in the Gulf, you see. Everything was done opposite of by the book. And this is from the Washington uh, Post, I think it's from today. Technician says that a deep water rising warning system was delayed, disabled uh, Friday 23rd. Uh, Ellie, long before an eruption of gas turned the Deepwater Horizon oil rig into a fireball, an alarm system designed to alert crew and prevent combustible gases from reaching potential sources of ignition had been deliberately disabled. Deliberately disabled, for those that are hard of thinking. The former chief electronics technician on the rig testified Friday. Uh, Michael Williams, an ex-Marine who survived on April the 20th inferno by jumping from the burning rig, told the federal panel that probing, uh, probing the disaster that the alarm system was one of an array, an array of critical systems that had been functioning unreliably in the run-up to the blow-up. It's amazing that then that crew came in to certify it, and after they took off in helicopters to go back home, it blew up two hours later, isn't it? But these things weren't even functioning. Williams told the panel that he understood that the rig had been operating with the gas alarm system in inhabited mode for a year to prevent false alarms from disturbing the crew. So that's what, oh, that's why they turned it off, so that it wouldn't disturb the crew. He said the explanation he got was that the leadership of the rig did not want crew members needlessly awakened in the middle of the night. Well, I tell you, it doesn't matter what time or day these things go off, you need them. It could be the real thing, right? They know that too. If the safety system was disabled, uh, it, it would not have been a unique event. Records of federal enforcement actions reviewed by the Washington Post show that in case after case, rig operators paid fines for allegedly bypassing safety systems that could impede routine operations. Computers used to monitor and control drilling operations intermittently froze to the point that the problem became known as the blue screen of death, Williams said. Despite attempted repairs, the issue remained unresolved at the time of the blowout, he said. Earlier in the drilling operation, one of the panels that controlled the blowout preventer, the last line in defense against a gusher, had been placed in bypass mode to work around a malfunction, Williams said. He testified to it. He also said a colleague told him that an inspection of the rig in the spring shortly before the disaster found extensive maintenance problems. The colleague said that we were going to be in the shipyard a lot longer than anticipated because the rig was in very bad condition. It was owned by Transocean, the company that employs Williams and is operating under contract to BP. So there you have uh, a, a disaster waiting to happen, obviously. And since this was the first one in such deep water, how come they followed all their old games and turned everything off? when this was vital, 
they never gone so deep, they claim. Why would they turn all this stuff off? Knowing where this will all flow into. They know the current flows and everything. Long, long, all in the planning stages. They know what, if anything goes wrong, that's all done. In the planning phases. Where this stuff would flow into. Including, uh, loss of wildlife and, and human life and all the rest of it. That's all done way in advance. This was set up to happen the way it did happen. And that is rather obvious. That's rather, rather obvious. So they've got their, their Pearl Harbor events. They've, apparently in the States, they're showing this every single day now, on and on and on, to make sure we all get the message. That, oh, a massive disaster. Oh, oil and so on. There's got to be more, more rationing of this stuff and higher, higher taxes on it and less usage of it and so on and so on and so on and so on. So it all accomplishes tasks. Plus, they'll bring in the big eco fees and everything. Big, big carbon taxes on the drivers, they're already going to do that in Britain. You're to, you're, in Britain, they're going to put in, uh, according to the Royal Automobile uh, Corporation, the REC, uh, they, they're going to bring in taxing you per kilometer that you drive. And, of course, it'll start off at a certain price, so we're not freaked out. And then, then we'll get used to it going up so much, maybe twice a year, three times a year, whatever. We're managed like cattle, folks, you see. We're domesticated that's why they can manage us like this. We're domesticated. It's only in places like Ireland, as from that article I read, they've got a bit of fight left in them. And they've got the gahonas left to, to see what has to be said. When your country's been sold out. And it's been sold out long ago, actually, because, you see, uh, in France, the, 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 the UN held their big, big secret agreements on the multilateral trade agreements, which allowed them foreign investors to invest in your country without the rules of your country holding. And they've been looting countries ever since. Where's the big mainstream media when all that's going on? Well, they're very quiet about it, aren't they? The media is a, an appendage, an arm of government. Without government, without media and government, well, the government could not possibly survive. They need the government to keep you, uh, the media to keep you in your own cloud, basically. Your Plato's cave. And make sure everyone gets the same news, regardless of the newspapers they read or the TV stations they listen to. They get the same indoctrination of lies and predictive programming. That's the purpose of media. That's why the media moguls own hundreds of papers each. And, and they own hundreds of radio stations and television stations each. And that's why they go over and get knighted to, for the Queen of England. Why do you think they get knighted? It's because they have been long-serving members and very goody two-shoe boys for the Royal Institute for International Affairs to help bring about this world government, this feudal system of masters and peasants. That's why. An essential arm of government. And remember, too, what Jack's uh, um, Elul said. The other one, the philosopher, he said that don't forget that all, all entertainment is propaganda. But it also includes your news as well. It's propaganda. All tools of communication are propaganda tools. From the pyramid top down to you, with a different version for you at the bottom. You're the domesticated animal. A wild man, according to Charles Galton Darwin. A wild man. Could not be fooled. He says, we must retain our wildness at the top. 
He says, but the public at the bottom won't need their wellness. That's when he's talking about lobotomizing them chemically by injections and different things and all the rest of it and their food. He says they won't need to be wild and retain all the survival capabilities because the state will be making all their decisions for them. But we, he said, the wild men, the leaders, must have all our survival capabilities running full time at full power. That's happened, folks. See, the war started a long time ago. And everyone's IQs dropped, except the offspring of certain people who were already pre-selected for scientific work in the future. Special mathematicians, etc., etc. They get access to different food than the stuff, that, that rubbish they're dishing out to you. They get special inoculations that actually work. They're not full of viruses and stuff, and they don't target your brain to, to, to lobotomize you either. That's the real world, folks. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.